This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the BPD Bunch. We have a panel of people who are in functional recovery from borderline personality disorder. And each week, a few of us get together to discuss the ups and downs of our BPD journeys to give you hope and direction for your own. I'm your host, Sani, and today I am here with my husband, Casey, Selene and Andy, and special guests, Bella and Abby. <laughs> Where in the world is everyone coming from today? Uh, we're here in New York City. We're joining from Dubai. And we are in New Mexico. Whee! If you couldn't tell, we're doing another episode on BPD and romantic relationships. It's one of the most requested topics in our community. And we're really excited because we've collected a bunch of questions from our audience. And thank you so much. We're going to be going over those questions in our episode today. To start, Abby and Bella, can you give us a little introduction and background on you? Because you're our special guests and our audience don't know anything about you. Hi, I'm Bella. I'm Abby. Um, I was diagnosed with BPD in 2021. Um, and we've been together for a little over a year now. Yay! Well, I'm really excited to have you on this episode today to help us answer questions. We're super excited. The first question from the audience is sort of general to anyone who wants to answer. What, if any, internal work did you do before dating your current partner? Um, so I met Abby, or we we met on uh, Hinge. Uh, so I met Abby through Hinge last August. And um, bef- right before doing that, in May and June, I had spent, um, in California, I was doing a program specifically for my BPD. And so the amount of growth that I was able to do then was able to help reshape kind of what it was that I was looking for in my general life, as well as in relationships. So I think internally, I was able to prioritize things differently than I ever had. And that's what made it so I was able to get into a relationship in a healthy way. That's brilliant. So for me, I met Andy at work and uh, at the time I was with a different partner and when I parted ways with my ex-partner we gave each other some uh, like one tip like one key takeaway that you might want to take in your next relationship and it was done in like a really nice like respectful way and he said to me that 
you know, you seem to be suffering a lot and maybe you should explore getting some support. And so when we first started dating, I was doing a psychoanalysis therapy. Um, it was helpful, like during the sessions, but not really like in the long term. And I didn't know I had BPD and I didn't get diagnosed, unfortunately, at that time. Uh, but still, it got me started on this path of self-discovery and healing, which has led to where I am now. So I guess it was the first step. Yeah, I think for me, I the, the internal work that I did was really just coming to grips with my BPD diagnosis. And right before I met Casey, I was dumped and I had this really intense emotional reaction that had me thinking, hmm, maybe that diagnosis was indeed correct. And I, you know, it's worth accepting it. And I think we met like the week after I had my intake for DBT. Did any of the partners who do not have BPD feel like there's any sort of internal work from previous relationships or something that you did before just in like a personal growth way to get to where you were when you started the relationship you're in now? Well, I'm also, I also have my own mental health diagnoses and I've been in therapy for a while. So I had gotten to a point where I felt like I, I was at a good place with myself and was ready to bring that to a relationship. So therapy. I think going into a relationship with Selene, I had known a lot more about what I was really looking for in a relationship. So I took the learnings from, I've, I've had three kind of previous kind of long-term relationships before meeting Selene. And uh, by then, I kind of really knew what I was looking for. I wanted to find inner partner, this one. So, um, yeah, I, I think that was kind of where I'd, where I'd got to in terms of uh, looking. Basically, someone who likes to play ping pong. Kind of along the lines of, of Abby, when I was younger, I had gone through uh, some therapy in Utah and it prepared me for this kind of, oh, Zanny's going through a course and she's recognizing that she has a diagnosis and she's wanting to actually conquer that diagnosis and, and get a hold of it. So. so this is an issue for people in relationships in general, but can be especially challenging for those of us who have BPD because many of us struggle with heightened levels of impulsivity on top of our emotions. And so sometimes things come out or we do or behave in ways impulsively that are not effective. So how do you control those impulsive reactions when you feel emotionally activated by your partner? And partners, is there something that you do? It took me some learning how Bella wanted to be supported. When I'm upset, like I want physical touch and like to be close and to really talk it out. And that's absolutely not something that she wants. So it took us some trial runs to be like, wait a second, Bella wants space and some internal work on my part to, to understand that, you know, it's not about me, um, that, you know, she doesn't want to be touched or she doesn't want to necessarily like sit down right in that minute. Um, and so it had, I had to do some work of, uh, and just like remind myself that it's not about me. She'll come back to it in a few minutes when she's ready. Um, so I find that she always wants some just like alone processing time. Um, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. And I do think that helps with not 
being too impulsive with things and not saying things that I don't mean or want to be saying because I have done that a lot in the past is like just like bottling things up and then just saying things and they just come out disastrously not how I intended um I do think I have gotten a lot better about that and I do think that comes with like taking time to think about like my words and my actions before saying them or doing them but yeah I do really appreciate that coming from Abby is just like having especially because I wasn't communicating that well or vocalizing that that is something that I needed or wanted or maybe even realized it but like being given that space knowing that like I just need a second to like process and like put myself together put my words together and stuff and knowing that that's going to be fine is very helpful yeah sometimes I have I leave the situation if I feel you know that that's what I need in the moment um, I feel like for me, it really depends on what's the underlying emotion. So if it's sadness, then I feel like I, I need and want to be like really, really close and have that physical contact and, and be given the space and the sense of safety that I can cry and that I can like express that emotion. If I'm angry, I need lots of space, <laughs> lots and lots of space. If I'm anxious, I tend to need like to express it, like verbalize it. And maybe it can feel like I'm going around in circles a little bit. I'm like, I'm anxious about this. I don't know what to do about that. What can I do? What should I do? What da, 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 like kind of talk it through. Mm. So it depends on the underlying emotion. In general, across all of them though, what helps is like I now with the skills have the ability or the go-to reaction of like describing them. So I'll do mindfulness out loud. So I'll be telling Andy, like, this is how I'm feeling. Like, this is what I need right now, or this is what I think that might help. So can we, you know, sit down and talk it out or whatever it is that I feel like I need. And when I'm not skillful, which still happens sometimes, then I will apologize after, which is not something I used to do in previous relationships. I used to put it under the big rug, the massive rug. <laughs> um, but now I'll come back and be like, I'm sorry. I think I totally overreacted and shouldn't have said this or wish I hadn't done that or stuff like that, mm. yeah. which I think helps a lot. Yeah, I think for me, I'm someone who takes things quite personally and um, in those moments, I've gotten better at it, but it's, it's just trying to recognize that it, it's, well, hopefully most of the time, it's nothing to do with me, but I'm just there in the moment and taking things less personally. Also, my natural reaction is always wanting to help. What can I do in that moment to help resolve, make you feel better or take away some of that pain? But sometimes I can't always help. Um, so it's, um, I'm getting slightly better at judging the situation of, do you want me to help or do you just want me to be there next to you? And sometimes just not say anything, but just so you know that I'm here if, if needed. So um, sometimes I ask, do you want help? Uh, but sometimes you might not know um, what you want. So I think it's because yeah, in those times, communication um, it's usually better after the fact and reflecting on it, but in a moment it's quite hard to communicate sometimes what you're feeling. Um, I think yeah. I've gotten better at telling you as well that it's not about you. Don't worry, it's not about you. But I'm feeling really angry, really anxious, really sad, whatever it is mm. about X, Y, and Z. 
I think that's some because that's something we started doing as well to yeah. really explain what's going on inside and verbalize it so the person knows. Mm. Yeah. I think learning to identify my emotions was probably one of the most important things that I have done to be able to handle those impulsive situations better because my default reaction to almost all negative emotions has been to just be angry because if I am hurt or sad or afraid or genuinely angry, I used to rage at people as a way to kind of keep them at arm's length. And I realized that when I'm actually sad or afraid, what I really want is to be comforted. But if I can't even accept those emotions in myself, then there's no way for Casey to know that I'm sad. All I come all I'm doing is just being really angry. And so that's some work that I did in, in myself. And I try as much as possible now to stay in that initial emotion, the sadness, fear, guilt, shame, the emotions that have historically catapulted me into raging anger and just try to stay with that primary emotion and express that so that I can really communicate to him what's going on. And I think that's really helped a lot because if I'm raging at him, I, I I think it's it's a lot harder for him to himself stay calm and not add fuel to the fire. Very true. Yeah. You communicated with me that there's moments where you might actually push me away. But what you really want is for me to be there. And it's really hard to call your bluff. <laughs> and, and then and then like stick around or hug you when you're like you know it's it's just like the fight or flight's real but then then we've developed the system and your communication telling me yeah you did a good job coming in and giving me a hug and telling me it was okay even though i told you to stay away and just leave me alone you ignored that and came anyway uh that that's really helpful in those situations and that's a way that i can actually try and help you process things and, and go over things. So, yeah. And I would say it's, it's definitely a little bit of trial and error because <laughs> I wish that I could sit here and tell you that there are very obvious signs and you can just do X, Y, and Z. And that's how you know that somebody is pushing you away, but they actually want you or they're pushing you away and they actually want space. And unfortunately, I, I think the reality is that there are subtle signs that people give you. And of course, the more open you get with your communication, the easier it becomes. But um, it really ultimately comes down to trial and error and a lot of work. And just after a situation happens, I think going over it and analyzing what happened and what we were really feeling, and that gives us information for the next one. So the first part of this question. For those of us with BPD, how do you tell the difference between real needs, boundaries, and your insecurities slash need for validation? In the past, that's definitely been something that's been very hard for me to differentiate. But where I'm at now, I do really feel like I have gotten much better about boundaries and being able to set those for myself. And I've really prioritized that. 
So I think at this time, I do have a pretty clear sense for myself and for our relationship on how to differentiate those. But as a whole, I don't really know how I've reached this point other than just kind of like the work in like DVT and in my program that I did. And then just like past experiences and like learning and growing from those and things that I handled way differently in the past. And now being like, no, I like need to like set this for myself. I can tell the difference when I express and how I express. So if I'm like, can you tell me that you love me? Can you tell me that you're coming back? Can you tell me? Then I'm like really in that seeking reassurance. When I'm seeking validation, it's more going to be like, here is what I'm thinking like to do with the situation. What are your thoughts? What are your insights? And then I will get potentially validation or I will get another way of looking at things or thinking about things. So that's really helpful. Um, and one way that I really know when it's problematic behavior and I've only I think said that a couple of times, but it's when we're having an argument and I will say something along the lines of, well, I have BPD. <laughs> then I know that this is not about setting a boundary. This is about yet yeah, utilizing my diagnosis to somehow get a get out of jail card for something that I'm doing or a way that I'm reacting. So then I really know that this is problematic. So then you were not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What it made me think of is that for me, I think the key is how urgent does it feel? Um, because most of the disagreements or issues that we have are, I mean, yes, time sensitive in the sense that they need to be resolved so that we can have a productive relationship, but they don't need to be solved in the next five minutes. It's not like our relationship is going to explode or the world is going to end. But if I feel like I have to get him on my side right now or this is over, that's a pretty strong indication that it is not coming from an effective place. And I am just trying to get him to regulate my emotions for me. When I get really, really, really upset, I still get self-harm urges. And I haven't acted on them in, in years, but if I start feeling to the point that I want to hurt myself, then I know that I'm not in a space where I can think clearly. I had a, a recent experience where I could identify, it was almost like there was a switch. We had gotten into an argument and I was so upset that I, I felt like I wanted to hurt myself. So instead of doing that, I grabbed my keys in my backpack and I was like, I am going out for a bit. And I walked around the neighborhood uh, for about 30 minutes. And I also started having catastrophic thoughts about our relationship as a whole. And I was pretty mindful of how I was feeling. And as I started to come back down, there was a point where all of a sudden the switch flipped and I was sitting there thinking, how was I thinking this was so horrible five minutes ago? It's really not a relationship ending worthy issue. So I think for me, if I get to a place where I'm thinking really catastrophic things and I'm very emotional, I can probably chalk it up to this is my brain's response to this level of emotional pain. And once that comes back down, I will be able to think a little bit more clearly. So the next part of this is, so to the partners, how do you find a balance between validating your partner without reinforcing ineffective behavior. Let me let me 
bounce off of what what you said earlier about when you ran out and and you just had to get some space like right away it it's in a situation like that it's it's just like i understand you know this was overwhelming for you and that you needed to get out of the space to clear your head and get back into the game before coming back and when you would come back you you know, talking to you about why you left and what was going through your head at that point and, and deciding a strategy for, was that the best decision to make to just run right out? Or is there a better way to do this? None of that is easy, (laughs) by the way, but at least in being able to create a hindsight situation after the fact to see if that's actually the right strategy or not. And you and I have done this for years, communicating when there's been these blowups after the fact, you know, what could we do that might be able to be better? What can I do as your partner to be more understanding and be more validating of how you feel? And what, what can you do that might be a little bit more effective, you know, for the future reaction? Well, and, and sometimes running out is the most effective thing. Right. If, and, yeah. and Well, and in that argument, it was. Yeah. It was the best thing. It, it, you're like, I can't do this right now. And you, and you walked out. And I didn't call you. I just let you go. I let you do your thing. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. And, and that, you know, well known. Yeah, and that was partially because early on, I knew that, you know, for me anyway, I have this, if I run out, there's a part of me that wants I want you to follow me and chase me down and have a big romantic moment and get on one knee. My lady. I knew I need you. I knew that if he follows me when I run out, then that will just make it harder for me to stop running out just to run out. And I wanted to make sure that I'm only running out when I really need that space because I'm at a point of extreme dysregulation. Because when I do that, I realize I'm kind of leaving him to sit with all of the emotions that we were just having. And he just kind of has to sit with it until I get back. And so I really don't want to put him in that position unless I really need to. And so him not reinforcing that by running after me ensures that I really only do that when I need to, because I know he's not going to come after me. I have to be the one to go back. And that's, I think that's made a really big difference for me. Yeah, that's a good point. Me having the knowledge that I do have to kind of sit with the situation and let you go and not run after you totally avoids the reinforcement of that behavior, like completely. So that's, that's a really good point. Yeah. I think you touched on something really important there around validation. And this is something I learned in therapy. I never knew before. And it was like mind blowing when uh, my therapist told me that you can validate someone's emotion without validating someone's behavior. Yeah. I, I think that puts it really nicely. And I think it happens a lot after a disagreement or in hindsight, because a lot of our arguments, I think are from a lack of communication. Do you agree with that? Yeah. And so after a disagreement, like just coming back together and saying like the way that that was handled was really hurtful or setting a expectation for communication in the future, like expressing my want for more clear communication. But after the fact, like I don't think we do that in the moment. 
I, I definitely validate uh, behaviours and, and um, I often use those words, I'd say that I'm validating to make it clear what I'm, I'm doing. And, but I, I find it really hard to kind of step in and say, I don't think that is a, this is an effective behaviour to kind of manage this situation. And even when you've asked me to do certain things, and to help you in if it gets to this state, I don't always. Uh, I find it find it really tough because I feel as though I might uh, make the kind of escalate the situation, mm. and so um, that's something I I struggle with. Mm. Um, but there are some alternative kind of solutions that are picked up. So, for example, sometimes when you're having a panic attack, uh, I'd say time to get the pillow out. So I get the pillow. And you start bashing the pillow, just punching the pillow back and forth, back and forth. So that's one kind of technique that, uh, that's been useful and mm-hmm. we've done a couple of times to kind of manage that situation. What are some things that you do to help maintain your relationship? That's one of the reasons why being on this episode is so important to me and to us. And we've talked about this is because one of the big um, assumptions is that when you have BPD, for some reason, you can't have like effective, loving, enjoyable relationships. And that's absolutely not true. And so it's something I really want to, you know, talk about and emphasize in this. And so the ways that we really enjoy our relationship, uh, we have date nights because my language of love is quality time. So love spending time together and taking that time to really enjoy a nice meal, go out, dress up, like really have fun mm-hmm. with it. Uh, we travel a lot together because that's a passion that we have in common. So we do lots of fun adventures, like even in the traveling, we'll be like, hey, there is this thing to do that. Let's just do it. And that's when the impulsivity trait becomes spontaneity and actually gets us to do lots of fun stuff. Mm. Um, we, um, well, you send me a lot of GIFs. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, that's cute. That's fun. I like that. You know, in the middle of the work day, you'll get like this little meme or a GIF. I don't know. It's, it's really nice. Um, and we've talked about that a lot, but I think communication, um, has been super key as well in terms of enjoying the relationship. Like we just have open communication also when things are good, you know, and your language of love is words of affirmation. So just keep reinforcing, like saying loving words and it's just like, Mm. a really nice way of enjoying the relationship um, I think for me it's kind of small things regularly like leaving notes um, sending messages like I said throughout the day just to make sure that uh, you know that I'm thinking of you um, yeah small cute things like that and having some also one of the things we do love like you said is travel so making the time and planning that out and making the most of those of those situations and um, yeah just living life and say what's the worst that can happen and then just go for it like moving to dubai what's the worst can happen we we'll just go back to the uk it's not so bad is it so um yeah so i think uh just reminding ourselves um uh, to keep to keep going but also these are i guess relationships where kind of advice for
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply people who's not a BPD or no one in the relationship has BPD, it's just, just general um, they're going to relationship of, of, of what we do to make things mm-hmm. enjoyable because it can get quite tough in times in terms of like work and other stressful situations so yeah I love how you said it's all in the small things and um, his last name is small so <laughs> for us a good thing is like um, both like reassurance and validation because both of us, how we handle things and see things emotionally are very different. And for her, I know that I want to be able to vocalize a lot of reassurance for her. And then in reverse, I validating what I'm saying and what I'm feeling. Um, I think those are both very like mm-hmm. beneficial things that the relationship mm-hmm. runs smoothly and like make us on the same page as much as yeah. possible. We also carve out a lot of time to spend together and purposeful time. And so like Bella will plan like even just like a nice little like outing after work or um, even just like having things she does <laughs> or like a, a sweet night at home. Like it, we spend a lot of purposeful time together and not just like, oh, we'll meet at home and, you know, whatever happens. Um, we And I think there's a lot of sweet gestures of like she'll bring flowers home so, so often or you know oh I saw your favorite candy and this was a you know it made me think of you um a lot of small sweet gestures throughout the day and the week I think yeah it's nice too Casey writes me adorable notes um he'll just like take scraps of paper and write like I love you but it's usually like a, a, a weird cartoon drawing of an eyeball uh and it's like He'll just like, like sometimes he'll just like stick these under the door <laughs> of the bathroom and then there's a little note comes You're in. You're going to do that tomorrow. <laughs> it's, but it's just stuff like that. Like being, I think being silly too is very important. Like make weird faces across the table at each other and. Blow bubbles in a parking lot till 3 a.m. Yep. Blow bubbles in a parking lot till 3 a.m. Spending time together to maintain a relationship is incredibly important. So we'll try and find events or even just do like a movie night or we'll sit down at the dinner table and we'll have dinner together. The best way to maintain the relationship is is definitely spending time and finding something that you both can go to. You don't have to have the same interests, you know, but... We have certain events that we like to go to that that we have shared interests in, and we make sure to hunt those down and, and go to them. And it, it definitely keeps the relationship strong. Yeah. Well, and also when right before we got married, we had uh, premarital like counseling sessions. And one of the suggestions that the guy had for us was to check in with each other. And we used to do it like every day and now it's it's more like once a week but Casey will say so how did we do today and I think that's always a good way to just kind of bring it back to 
like how much are we focusing on the relationship and what things do we need to to work on this makes me think of something we did during covid do you remember it was like at the end of each day say to each other three things that we're grateful for and it could be about the relationship or about anything else but we did it for like over a year during that like really tough lockdown time i love that so Abby and Bella, it's so amazing to have you on the show. And I had a question. Do you feel like there's any difference um, being in a same-sex relationship with BPD? I think we've both we've both been in relationships with men before. So I think we have this ability to contrast um, between our relationship and past relationships. And I think there's something special about shared experiences of being a woman that there's a level of understanding of you know, what we just both bring to the table solely just from being a woman, like BPD aside, that I think helps bring a, a, a maybe a deeper level of connection that I experienced with men. Do you want to add to that? Um, as far as in this relationship, I do think, yeah, like there's definitely having like a woman on a similar emotional thought process definitely is helpful, is beneficial in understanding what I'm feeling. I don't know. That's kind of... I think there's just a different ability to connect. Or not not no. ability, but... Yeah. No, um, I, it's just a different... It's a different way of... It's just a different, different type of connection. Yeah. Yeah, thanks for sharing. Sometimes it's really hard to explain something that you feel, right? Rather mm -hmm. than... Definitely. Like, think... Yeah. Thank you for sharing. Does anybody have any sort of last parting words of advice to our audience who you know, are trying to navigate romantic relationships with BPD? I think uh, we're all human. And so we're gonna, um, gonna make mistakes no matter what. So I think it's just uh, embracing it and learning about each other through the journey and just, just help each other and communicate well. You're quoting Casey on that one. <laughs> um, somehow finding the balance between like working on yourself if you have BPD and also like like enjoying the ride together and helping each other. Yeah, it's all just like learning with each um, each day that goes by and like being able to find that person that is able to match those things because there's people out there who I've dated in the past or anything in the past who you can tell just like that's not something that they are able to assist with and that doesn't make them a bad person it just is not the right fit and so finding that person and then working constantly and learning constantly is just like how to make that successful is just always learning like never stopping and always working on everything we can having fun while we do it yeah Exactly. I think I would just say that romantic relationships are one of the most emotional experiences that people go through in general. And so if you have BPD, it, it becomes a very intense experience at times. And I think that can make it beautiful and it can also make it challenging. And I would just say that I, I think that our relationship is more beautiful because of that intensity. And it is... A lot of work it's a lot of effort to learn all the things but the more you learn the easier it gets and I think 
at least from my perspective, one of the most important things that we just do on a regular basis is both of us are always trying to take ownership for our part when something goes wrong uh, and, and finding somebody who will reciprocate that. So, you know, even if, you know, there's an interaction where either one of us have only 10% to contribute to what went wrong, we, we still take ownership for that. You know, even if I feel slighted, there's something that I can take ownership for and, and vice versa. And I think having somebody who is able to take that ownership with you so that it's, you know, we're not fighting each other. It's not, the goal is not to win. The goal is to be on the same team. That should be on a t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All the trials and the tribulations that you go through within the relationship or the steel and the fire of the relationship and not giving up is the blacksmith swinging the hammer. It forges the relationship into something that I would argue is stronger than a standard relationship where people aren't going through something like BPD. That's a bit elitist to say, but <laughs> I'll own it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you everyone so much for watching. We hope you got a nugget of wisdom to take with you on your journey. Make sure to like, subscribe, and turn on your notifications so you do not miss a single episode. We'll be back on Friday with more BPD and relationships. And then again next week with a brand new topic. So we'll see you then. And Abby, Bella, thank you so much for joining us today. It was really a pleasure to have you on this episode to share your relationship insights. Thank you thank for having you. us. It was fun. Audience, you have comments. We have eyes. Leave them and we'll answer. Cool. <laughs> Leave them. <laughs> Leave them. Leave those comments. Well done. We'll see you next time. See you.